Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fucking knots? What the fuck, Ricans? What the fuck, skis? All right, enough of that. How's everybody doing? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. I am still in Portland, Oregon, looking out of my hotel window. Let me open it up a little bit. Down at the highway. I'm not sure what highway that is, but uh, what a view. The convention center and the highway in the amazing Pacific Northwestern sky. I've had a great time in Portland. I want to thank all of you uh, WTFers for coming out. Great shows. A lot of nice presents. I swear to God, this barter system thing is working for me. Uh, I was I didn't have to buy food almost all week because I am stocked in my room. Loaves of artisan bread, tons of cookies, banana bread. I just enjoyed some uh, hand-jarred, smoked, um, what do you call it? I guess it would be salmon strips and oil. I don't know if it's a Jew thing or what, but I guess it's also a Northwestern thing. It's a uh, Inuit thing. It, it's, there's something about smoked fish that seems to be genetically, uh, genetically resonates with me. I don't know if it's the lox, but any smoked fish, even though it smells shitty. And uh, now I, my entire body seems to be covered with a thin film of salmon. Uh, I, I like it. So I sat up here pulling strips of salmon over out of a Mason jar of oil and spreading them on some sort of uh, chickpea sourdough bread brought to me by a fan. The, the salmon was brought to me, and I, and I got to thank these people because they traveled. Or she did. Kiki and Matt. Uh, they, uh, Kiki came down from uh, Alaska, Fairbanks, Alaska, to see me. It's always a lot of pressure when that happens because when uh, he, he emailed me that his wife was coming down to see me, and I, of course, thought immediately, yeah, it's a long way to go. Uh, I hope I'm okay. I, 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 want, I don't want her to be disappointed. And she seemed very happy, took some pictures, got some salmon, some jelly, got some CDs, some books, some shortbread, some Stumptown coffee, some hot sauce. I got to buy a new bag just to get out of this town. It's an interesting place. Portland was very threatening to me. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to play the Gallagher thing. Gallagher wanted to come on the show. I'm not sure he wanted to come on the show, but his manager contacted my manager. He lives here. Gallagher was in town doing an event, and his manager wanted him to uh, do a guest spot on my show, which I did, you know, decided against. I didn't see how that would be good for anybody. I don't know him. I don't have any experience with him. I don't know what he's doing now. And obviously, I've only heard negative things about him recently. I know what he is. I know what he does. I didn't have any particular problem with him. I do not think I would have asked him to be on the co- uh, podcast otherwise uh, if he hadn't approached me through his representation or if they hadn't approached me without him knowing it, whatever the case may be. I'd been asked to have him on after some articles came out not long ago in The Stranger and the uh, Onion AV Club talking about Gallagher, his recent performances, his uh, racially insensitive jokes, his homophobic jokes. Uh, he seemed to have been getting a, uh, you know, in the alternative culture, I don't know how far it's really spread, I imagine it's picked up some uh, steam, that he was some sort of right-wing whack job with, you know, a racist uh, agenda or a homophobic agenda. And, you know, sadly... After I re-listened to what happened between us, uh, you know, that's what I went on. I, I did want to you know, put him into the context of comedy, into the history of comedy, to uh, I- I- appreciate what he did. Because despite whatever you may think of him now, I know a lot of you people out there listening were, probably loved him. 
when you were 11 or 12. Uh, he, he had a tremendous career in show business for doing what he did. He is a household name, uh, as is his brother, for stealing his brother's act or at least not stop doing the act after his brother said not to. Uh, I don't really know. I was going to get into that stuff. I wanted to get into a lot of stuff since I had the opportunity, but I'm not sure I handled it well. I started to have the conversation when I saw the moment uh, to, to seize the conversation and talk about some of the recent controversies. It kind of went off the rails, uh, and he, he left my hotel room. So he stormed out of my hotel room. He was, it was perfectly, you know, I don't know if I would say pleasant, but it was, I, I really was not trying to offend the guy, but in listening back to it, in order to get a word in edgewise, I, I was fairly argumentative. I had no real agenda to tear him down or, or anything. I was just trying to ask questions. And because of his elevated tone, my tone elevated. And, and in retrospect, after listening to it, I, I sort of felt not necessarily bad, but it made me think about a lot of things about comedy. It made me think about how the arc of anyone's career uh, may still be disappointing, no matter how much success you have. The desperation uh, at a certain point in one's career uh, can be very daunting to the point where you just don't understand why you're in the position you're in. But I, 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 again, I'm being empathetic because in listening to the thing, I think I was a little bit aggressive. I will take responsibility for that. Though I thought some of the stuff we talked about was interesting. And I will play that for you in a minute. If I could just talk about Portland for a few minutes before we get into that, can we all just relax for a second? I had a misjudgment of this town. I really thought that this town, you know, I, it wasn't that I didn't like it. It's completely uh, the type of town I would like. There seems to be a, a fairly strong socially tiered uh, operation going on here uh, culturally. Uh, it seems to be a, fa- a fairly liberal town. Like uh, there's liberal people and there's people that just go off the grid there are people here that uh, came here to live the life that they wanted to live you know, outside of the way the rest of the world lives, which I can certainly appreciate. There seems to be a fairly hearty, kind of aggressively uh, vegan, maybe um, a little bit of the, you know, hey, we're squatters. We don't mind eating out of trash cans. It's cool. And then just above that, there seems to be a, a fairly tolerant-seeking liberal community that's like, well, we don't throw everything away, even though we know what they're eating it. We do recycle some stuff, but they're free to take that out of the blue bins if they want. And then there seems to be the, the bearded ones, the, the sort of troll-like elfin people that can roam freely through all different sects of culture. Not a lot of black people. Uh, I have not seen a lot of black people. I, I asked the people of Portland whether that was a coincidence or something that's enforced. I didn't really get an answer. But I always had this feeling when I was here that I somehow didn't fit in. I literally thought the last time I was here, I might have talked about this on, on another show, that I thought people were looking at me like they were all on their way to a meeting of some kind about me. And in retrospect, knowing who I am, that probably had something to do with me. But I always sensed that there was something going on that I didn't quite understand. I, I took it personally somehow. And then I realized after meeting about 10 people here, nine of whom had only been living here less than a year, that they were probably looking at me the same way. Yeah, basically, I wonder how long that guy's been living here. I I hope I don't look like I don't belong here. Portland is one of those places where people come when they've run out of options. And that's not to say that it's not beautiful. It's a beautiful place to to come when you've run out of options and try to rebuild your life. It definitely has its own personality. Uh, I've definitely had a lovely time. There is a darkness to it. 
there's a darkness to it that's a little edgy in the sense of like, you know, there, I could see how you could easily become depressed and your heart and soul could match the grayness of the sky and the heaviness of being closer to the top of the earth, which I always feel in the Pacific Northwest. But nonetheless, great food. I've eaten way too many cookies. The guy from Bunk Sandwiches, which is the greatest place in the world, WTF fan, came to one of the shows, told me to come by Bunk. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll come by Bunk. You're going to set me up? I didn't say that. I was willing to pay. But free food is always fun food. So I went to bunk with this uh, friend of mine, Rebecca. And then all of a sudden, like, he, he puts two sandwiches in front of me. He puts a, 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 a pork belly Cubano right there in front of me. And then he puts this brisket sandwich in front of me. And, again, I'm in this situation where am I Adam Richman? Is it man against food? The problem with the, the second part of me and my man against food thing, if I'm going to shove all that shit into my mouth, which I like to do, that it starts off as man against food, and then it ends up with me against me. Don't feel good about it. Don't want to ruminate about it. I also wanted to talk a little bit about bitterness, if I could, before we get into this Gallagher debacle. I don't even know if it's a debacle. It wasn't that controversial. Uh, You'll hear it in a minute. But I recently had this weird experience where, look, I've been feeling pretty good. I've been feeling pretty cocky about the podcast, about what's going on in my life. And I, and I have this problem that, you know, when things start going well, outside of, you know, you know thinking about how is it going to get fucked up, how am I going to fuck it up, uh, I get, you know, fairly, I get a little cocky. I get a little confident. I get a little like, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm in. I'm, it's good. And I, I reached out to somebody, somebody I have some history with, and I reached out to him. I, I called his office, not really expecting to get a call back because there's still part of me that thinks uh, I'm off the radar, which I am for the, for the most part in the big picture. I am a bit off the radar. But I was feeling cocky. I was thinking like, well, look, you know, maybe it's time for me to reach out to this guy. I would never have thought I would have any access to, to this person at all before. And then I decided like, you know, I'm the guy who apologizes. People come and they talk to me and, you know, I get to apologize to them. And we talk about the, the past and we bury the hatchet and, and we learn things about each other. And everybody is, is, is entertained and it's, it's human and it's good. I'm going to do that. I'm going to call him. And I called him and I left a message and I didn't really think I would hear back from him. Then I get a message on my phone from him and it's a fairly big deal given who he is. And I thought, awesome, I'm in. We're going to do it. This is going to be a great interview. And then we you know, play phone tag a little bit, and then he finally calls me again. And, and he basically said, look, uh, you know, I'm, not, you know, I, I, I'm not sure you know, what you're doing. Uh, it, it seems fine. Uh, you know, I'm glad that, uh, that, that people are doing it and that you're doing it. But, you know, but quite honestly, you know, I don't know if you remember what an asshole you were to me and just how fucking mean and shitty you were to me. And, of course, I was like, dude, that was 20 years ago. I mean, you know, I, I apologize, and I, and I mean it. I, I mean, I thought we grew past that. It's like, yeah, I, he said, I don't actively think about it. But, uh, you know, there's no love here. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm not, you know, certainly not going to talk about it publicly. I mean, some people may do that, but I don't do that. I, I'm, you know, I have no reason to do that. And, uh, you know, again, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm glad that things are working out with you. I, I like what you do, and you seem to do a lot of interesting things. But I just... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And then he said, uh, you know, if you want to sit down at some point in the future and, and talk about it privately, we can do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I, that, that sounds fine, you know. And I hung up the phone, and it really fucked me up because there's something about, you know, for some reason, when you change, like, yeah, I'm different. 
that you think that everybody's just going to go, okay, great, he's, he's here and he's different. Uh, what does he want me to do? That's, it's not the case. You know, some people aren't going to forgive you. Some people aren't going to forgive you easily. And some people, you know, may never let things go. Even when I've forgiven people, I don't let it go uh, completely. Forgiveness is a, it's a fucking tall order. It's a tall order. And, 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 just be, and then, like, I felt hurt. Like, you know, how could he not want to work this out? That's just fucking life, dude. When you spend a lot of time moving around, doing shows, living in four different cities, I mean, you're, you're going to end up, you know, sticking your dick into someone else's life, either metaphorically or, or, or literally, that you're going to, you know, you, what you do has an impact. And, and, and the bigger your life is, the more that shit is around, the more, you know, kind of baggage you have out there. You, you just have little, you know, you know hurt people or, or people that are angry at you. And, and that's a burden. And you can't make it all right. And you're just going to have to suck that up and try to be a better person. But forgiveness is fucking hard. Because you know, I'm sitting here eating salmon in oil out of a mason jar. You know, and I've got all this you know, weird anger just marinating in bile in my heart. You know, and if I unscrew the top of that, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? I just leave it preserved for a future date. Hopefully it'll go bad or go soft or... Fucking ease up, get a little peace of mind. And I think that this is the, a, a reasonable setup for Gallagher because you guys know me. I, I, I try to enter these conversations in a genuine way. I just wanted to have a real conversation with him. I wanted to afford him the respect that he deserved as a guy who had a career in show business. Look, you know, comedians are different. There are clowns, there are comics. It's fucking show business. And as I said before, many of you probably loved this guy when you were a kid. But, you know, the audience that he still has, I'm sure he had them when they were, when they were kids, but maybe they didn't grow up. Maybe, they, maybe he's just, he's a clown. And, and he's a comedian. And, you know, he's fucking Gallagher. And he, he's a guy that's on the other side of his career. And listening to the, uh, to the interview I did, or tried to do, or got halfway through, I certainly didn't mean to stoke the fires of somebody who's in this position of, you know, trying to regroup without, you know, maybe not having as much hindsight or, or, or self-awareness as he might want and, and being sort of uh, crucified for, you know, for what he thinks is a stupid thing. But it did bring up a lot of talk about, you know, when is a joke insensitive? I mean, it's just there's this idea around doing certain jokes that are clearly bullying, that are clearly minimizing, you know, whether the jokes about gays or blacks or whatever, there's, there's a way to do that stuff. And there are people that have license to do it. Does everybody have the license to do it? Of course. Is there a price to pay for it? Sometimes. Can you please everybody? No. Can you entertain everybody? No. I mean, ultimately, it's going to be what's in your heart. You know, how do you treat other people? What do you feel about other people? Do some of those jokes reveal hypocrisy? Absolutely. But there's this argument that, that is sort of made in this conversation that I had with Gallagher that what you do as a comic is release aggression. You ease aggression. That you disarm things. And I think that's true. But I think that there's a deeper level to it too. That you also reveal hypocrisy. That you satirize extremes in order to, to make a point about society, about culture, about how we see the world. I agree with all that. But at some point, if you're doing jokes that hurt people, you know, okay, fine, you could say, well, they're babies, they can't take a joke. Well, maybe they've been taking that joke their entire fucking life, and all they hear it as is pain and attack. Or all they hear it as is, is you know, you're saying that I'm less than because I am who I am. 
And, and that's a reality, too. Are those jokes bad? No. Can they be done well? Yes. But it, this idea of disarming anger through humor, I mean, it's, it's almost a difference between saying, like, I've got a gangrenous sore on my leg, but I'm just going to put lotion on it as opposed to treat the infection. I'm just going to put lotion on it because it feels better. I'm just going to remain in denial that I might lose my fucking leg. It's, it's the same thing. At a certain point, maybe we don't need any more fucking lotion. I mean, at some point, something's got to go deeper, and obviously it's not everybody's responsibility. And, and, and I wasn't trying to attack this guy as much as I was trying to figure out where the fuck he was coming from. Look, I was excited about it. You know, he came to my hotel, and when he got here, I met him in the lobby, and I realized that he really didn't know what he was getting into. I don't think he knew what a podcast was. I don't, he asked me, is this live or what? And I'm like, no, it's a podcast. He's like, a what? And I'm like, okay, this is where we're at. And then I, I tried to be uh, a good host. I said, you want some coffee? There was no coffee. You know, I mean, we went over to where the coffee was that they put out in the morning. It's not there. I said, look, uh, I'll buy you coffee. Let's, you know, we'll go up to the room. You need a drink or something. And then the funniest thing was, is, you know, he's Gallagher. You know, he's been living this life that I'm living right now in my hotel room for 30 years. He started walking around the lobby. He's like, wait a minute. And he looked down the hall, and there was a banquet hall. And, you know, he looks, he's like, come here, come here, I'll show you something. So we're walking down, there's this banquet hall that looks like it was set up for an event. He goes, if we're real cool, if we're real quiet, we can just go in there and just get some coffee. But you got to be cool. And I'm like, yeah, I know this trick. You know, it's like, hey, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Is this coffee for everybody if you get caught? But there was no coffee there. So we came up to my room, and he ate some chocolate chip cookies that one of you made. And we had this conversation. So here is half of what would have been a whole interview uh, with Gallagher from Portland, Oregon. I'm here with Gallagher in my hotel room in Portland, Oregon. You're doing what tomorrow? Nothing. What's the gig? Oh, there's a TV show for some kind of a jazz festival that... um Craig puts on. Yeah. Who's Craig? Well, he's the guy that's been working with me, helping me to get some opportunities and show business. You know, these kids are all so young, they don't know who I am. Is that true? I think everybody knows who you are. No. I don't think they, they put you into a proper perspective, but I think everyone knows who you are. You do? Of course they do. I, I think that the name itself may have different connotations to people. It may not be what you want. But I think everyone knows who you are. I would, I would find it bizarre if someone didn't know who you were. Well, why don't I have my own TV show then? If what? I'm a well-known comic, shouldn't I have a talk show, a sitcom, well, let me ask you some something. kind of reality show? You have had more... Why doesn't my phone ring? Well, I, it's been a long time, Gallagher. What? Yeah, I mean, so what? But you have had well, how many? Are you going to tell this comedy audience that comedians get old? No, I'm and not. They're I'm not. not effective but how many and they lose their had? chops. How many specials have you had? 14. On Showtime and HBO? Yeah, from the 80s to the middle of the 90s. So you have. So I, I haven't performed as long as I did perform. You have had an incredible career by most. By most if you were to look at your career, yeah. you're a household name. You were mythic in the 80s. Everyone fucking knew who you were. So let's go back, because I, I was a doorman at the comedy store. Now, how, where did you come from, and how did you find your way to the fucking comedy store? Remember the doorman that was um, the father of uh, that kid who wasn't that great of a comic, so he became an agent? 
I don't know. Um, That's before my time. I mean, I was a doorman in 87. Alan Bursky. Mr. Bursky. You don't remember Mr. Bursky? Freddie Prince's gun was rumored to belong to uh, Alan Bursky. That's how he, that's how he fits into Rumored, the Rumored, of course it was. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because uh, Alan liked guns, and he played around and with the two of those guys were friends, and sure. But you can get guns in L.A. I'm not going to blame Alan. For Anyone can get a gun in this country. In in uh, L.A. But a funny thing happened one day. You know that Mr. Burskate lived in this apartment house, and every time something was open, he would suggest it to one of the comics down at the store, and he filled the place up with comics. Now, uh, that comic that did like 60 Tonight Shows but uh, didn't get Argus. to be the host. This is how I talk now that I'm Sammy old. Sammy Shore. I can't remember yeah, no, anybody. I, I, Dreesen. Tom, oh, Tom Dreesen. Tom Okay. Tom did like 60. Everybody thought he was going to be the new Johnny Carson because yeah. he wore a suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had a bunch of... He's still uh, around, right? He opened for Frank Sinatra, too. Or am I which was the kiss else? of death, just like my sled dramatic. It takes you out of <laughs> town, and you come back, and guys that aren't as talented as you and don't have an act and can't have a career all of a sudden get a TV. Let's start at the beginning. Where'd well, you David, start? Uh, no, Tom Dreesen needs to go... Mr. Bursky's having a heart attack. Right. And Tom says, I'd like to stay, but I'm doing the Tonight Show. <laughs> And so, of course, Mr. Bursky understood. Isn't that the craziest show business? Yeah, they very say, well, selfish. On, very do selfish. A, do another. Yeah. Oh, we got to do it. It's The Tonight Show, which used to be a real uh, bottleneck for comedy. You had to be on The Tonight Show, and you almost had to have Johnny like you and call you over to the desk. How long did it take you to get on the show? A long time, because Johnny didn't like prop comics, but he's a magician. Figure that out. I understand. Boxes and mm-hmm. silks and bunnies and but cards. That's, that's on TV. Well, he, he shouldn't have ever said that. But they would let me on if I... You know what I did? What? I made up a routine about The Tonight Show called yeah. The Tonight Show Home Game. Yeah. I put Johnny in a little suitcase, and when I opened it up, he popped out, and you pulled one string, and he touched his tie, and the other string, he threw his pencil. I showed this routine to the set director yeah, because he was a partner with the guy who owns the Magic Castle with right. this club in Santa Monica, the right. Mayfair Music Hall, where I was appearing. Right. And he said, I want you to come into a production meeting, do this little routine and leave. Don't talk to anybody. Just do what you just did and yeah. leave. And it got me on the show. And you did how many? I must have done about nine or ten. I could be on with a guest host. So I was on with Kenny Rogers because I was his opening act David for a Brenner? year. I don't think Shandling? I was on with, no. no. I was on with um, uh, comedians. Uh, yeah. oh, I guess those guys were comedians too. Joan Rivers, I think, one time. And See, I can't, you keep making me come up with people's names. But I'm curious about where where'd you come from and how did you start? Why comedy? I mean, because you're a fairly defined act. I thought you might have been a street performer, but you're not. No. You never came from that. No. No, I uh, I was watching comics and I felt like I could do it better, and so I just started and I did it. But what was your first job in show business? Uh, opening for Kenny Rogers. Oh, really? So yeah. the country music world. I just stayed in L.A. and did talk shows and pretended I was famous. Uh-huh. I noticed that if you're on the talk shows, everybody thinks you're famous. So you just act like and you're And I famous. met Kenny Rogers' manager there, and he said, "I'll let you open for Kenny for a year." A hundred shows at five thousand a night it was a half a million dollar deal. And was he a good guy? The manager Kenny. or Kenny? Yeah, no. I'm not going to tell tales. No, <laughs> yeah. 
So now who was in the... Well, he almost fired me. The first night I told a prick joke. But about it, a prick or that someone is well, a prick? Well, about the Iranians because it was the time of the uh, hostage crisis. And the first job was opening this 14,000-seat auditorium in, te- in Dallas, Texas, the Reunion Center. Yeah. That was the first job yeah. on Mother's Day. And his mom drives in from Conroe. Yeah. And I say, why can't you circumcise an Iranian? You can't. There ain't no end of them pricks. And they get a big reaction from a Texas audience. Right. You know, because they're real pro-American. And uh, so he wanted to fire me the first night. And that was it. Yeah. But no, you stayed on. I, yeah, I stayed on. How'd you, I, how'd you apologize? I didn't. <laughs> Come on. When it, when it gets a big a cheer? Bit. Yeah, but no, so. I I wasn't sorry. I did my job right. Uh-huh. By by uh by He's uh, the one that brought his mommy. <laughs> brought your mommy to the show for crime. Well, who was your in your class at the comedy store? Were you there with Letterman? And I Le- saw everybody. I was What's it was 1970? I was there before it was the comedy store. I saw Sammy make a deal with Sammy Art Shore. LeBeau. Yeah. And I saw Mitzi sitting with a cigar box at the front door taking door money. Right. And Art got the drinks. Right. I, and I talked to her through the whole business when she uh, bought the, the business from Art LeBeau. Then when she wouldn't give the comics any money and she bought a mansion. Did you strike? Nearby, she, that we met at my house. Yeah. So you were a union organizer? Uh, I was let's share the wealth. Why would guys come down here? So you have and a socialist a thread show? in you. Who would know? That? <laughs> it's ahead. not socialist. I know, I'm just, I'm making Only a joke. in LA joke? do they think you should work for free. Yeah. Okay. So so you guys met at your house, and who was in that crew? Jeff Altman. Jay Leno came by. Jay Leno. But he was just laughing at us. Jay always said, "Just take whatever money they'll give you." Yeah, I see. I, I tend to agree with you on that. I, I think working for nothing. For even if some it's reason, bit. Jay Leno and David Letterman knew they were going to have a talk show. Somehow they had an inside track. You think it was an inside track or just focus? And it didn't matter whether they had an act or not. You know, Jay's act it was very forgettable. And he ran around just like Tom Dreesen opening for washed up old singers. You know, but now, but but isn't that just a career trajectory? I mean, if you're up there, you know, doing what you do, I mean, your your idea was not to get a talk show. I mean, you I were, wouldn't have minded a talk no, show. No, but I, I mean, thought if you can be a good live performer, you ought to be able to sit down and talk. But where do you fit interviews in between, you know, dancing around and smashing shit? Well, what did? How did Jay and Dave get they good stood, at interviews? They stood still and they wore a suit. Oh, and they're really good at interviews. Jay I, says you used to I'm not model saying, before you got I, into acting. I, I practiced that. Uh, you used to model I'm before saying, you got into I'm not acting. Why can't that's, I have the tonight I, show? I am not defending Jay Leno. I, I'm just saying that you know your career, your your decision in the type of showman you were going to be was different than theirs no it wasn't i got jobs and had to leave town and for some reason they had this inside track dave used to say to me i don't need to have an act i'm going to have a talk show right because that's what he wanted to do well they gave him one out in la and it it bombed terrible but did you want to do a talk show I wanted to make big money okay well that's different so you chose your angle you made big money uh-huh. Did I you? did it the hard way, though. I sold a live ticket. And That's I still, right. How'd you like to sell a live ticket in a downturn? I, well, I'm about there. I mean, I, you know, I'm still uh, you know, doing stand-up. Well, I have my pulse on the economy because I get a call all the time. Is that the economy calling now? 
I don't know. Isn't that your phone? I guess. <laughs> so let me let, let me just go back. Now, in the, in the beginning, for you, when you decided to, you were always a, a prop comic, and I'm not I'm not negating that. But the the swedgematic was what turned it around, right? It was the first routine I wrote. First, it was the reason that I I considered comedy is because uh, I did so well with my first routine, which was the swedgematic. Yeah, I was watching the Vegematic guy on TV, and I thought, well, why do they, uh, why do they chop it up when you're going to chew it? Mm -hmm. And I said they ought to just hit it with a hammer. Yeah. And then I noticed that Veg and Sledge rhymed, and yeah. so I wrote the routine. I sent it to George Carlin. Yeah. George wrote me back and said he writes all his own material. That was it. He just said I write all my own material. But he but did he write was you nice back. Nice enough to write me back. Uh, Albert Einstein did not. Albert Brooks is right. Yeah. You wrote Albert Brooks with the so legendary. I gave it. I sent it to both. Yeah, and and Albert didn't write back. No. So why were you sending it off? You were performing already, or you hadn't no, started? No, I wasn't a comedian. I was a chemist. You were a chemist. Yeah. What was your future plan then? Uh, crystal I was meth. Save the world. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Well, one way or another, <laughs> with my creativity. Creativity can be in any field. How did you I've see got your... patents now. Uh, you know, I use my creativity to invent things instead of make props. How did you see yourself saving the world with chemistry? What was your? Uh, what would you want to do? Well, uh, cancer research yeah. or um, all. Well, it could have been energy. The, did it, was it was the path just too long for you at the time? I mean, did you not? I wanna... got diverted with this damn lucrative comedy thing. But I still meet with physics departments as I travel around the country. About what? Well, I talk to them about subatomic particles and uh, and how we could make the whole field more approachable to the average person. People are exposed. Make it approachable to me because I don't understand. It's vague. Okay. What's going through your head right now as you receive phone, um, cell phone calls? A photon or an electron? I, I'm going to choose electron. You think you're being hit by lightning. Do you see? We don't understand the technology that we use, and we don't know the risk that well, we're taking for our, with our bodies, our DNA. An electron has weight. Like is a it a photon ball. or electron? It's a photon. Okay. It has no weight, so, so I it has to be at a very high frequency yeah. to break your DNA. That's what cancer is, broken DNA. Right, renegade cells. Renegade DNA. Right, renegade DNA, looking it's, for a body, trying to build no, a body it's, for itself. No, it's been turned on. Okay. It's the switch has been turned on for it to replicate cells, and it goes out, out of and control. And so without an uh, organic complex, it makes tumors. A Without any organization, right. it makes a tumor. Okay. It's actually healthy, uh, healthy cells, right. new cells in a gob that are unorganized. And now what? Uh, now what? what I is want this? the kids. The, these kids study Pokemon cards, and they learn. Dated, but I get they learn point. the yeah. the powers and characteristics of, m of meaningless things. That's right. Instead of what's a photon, an electron, a neutrino, an up quark, and a down quark. So I want to make a boy band or a basketball team, a cartoon show. I have the rights to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This isn't the first cartoon project. You have the rights to them? I had. I met them when they first started. The original Eastman, band? Eastman and Lair yeah. were these uh, guys in New England, and uh, they had this idea, and they showed me the drawings, but they had no story ideas. And they did their career backwards. They sold the toys first, yeah. so they couldn't get a movie deal. So I got the movie rights. So you made some money off of that? No. Uh, we made a deal. Well, actually, I did with uh, Golden Harvest. 
which was a production Raymond company. Raymond Chow. Yeah. And, oh, I remember uh, that guy. Right. Well, he put the money in the Netherlands Antilles. You had to get a Dutch lawyer to chase it down. So you got screwed. I didn't get any money. <laughs> All right. So now you want to teach the kids that they're getting tumors from their cell phones. I want them to understand what <clears throat> women, too, when they put their breast uh, on a plate to have a breast exam. What is it? A CT scan? Is it magnetic resonance? It's an electron. PET scan has electrons. You How do you see? feel about the full body scanners? Are they projecting electrons? Do you opt out? Do you get the pat down? Oh, you mean at the yeah. airport? No, there's nothing harmful there. In the full body scanners? No. How do you know? Because I know. What do you mean? It's not electrons. It's all about electrons. It, yeah. So you're actually concerned with the health and awareness of people in this world. We use technology before we understand it. Drugs also. Some mm -hmm. people no, are I killed by the, they find out. We guinea pigs. We just accept what's new and see if it hurts. Now, my question to you then is, is that, you know, you have this streak where you, you're a progressive thinker. You're a creative thinker. And I think that on, on some level, in retrospect, you can see the Sledgematic as a commentary on consumer culture. It was a satire. Okay, I understand the, that. The problem is the fights at a hockey match, right? Yeah. My act was a hockey uh, match, and instead a fight broke out, and everybody came back for the fight. Or the wrecks at a car race. Right, there was a, an, an anarchy to it. You, you, well, you they just your wanted the smashing and didn't care about my insightful satire. Okay, well, now we're buying meaningless things. Now we fast forward to where we are now, and yeah. you've got this reputation of being a uh, 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 racist and a racist a, and, a, and a homophobe. You know, there are jokes you do that are a little vicious. Uh, they a lot are vicious. not. Why do you have? A, I've watched these Comedy Central roasts, and I don't. Well, a say roast is a context. Anything. There is a context to that. A now, context. It, and what's my problem? There's no context in a comedy show? No, there's a context, but I'm just saying that when you, you attack gay people or you attack... Uh, attack? Yeah. I don't attack them. Yeah, well, you, you make fun of them well, in wait a very a aggressive way. Okay, let's way. say I tell a joke about a white middle-class man. Does mm -hmm. anybody say, why do I not like white middle-class men? Well, I think that's a, a false... Uh, why? Uh, beca because it is. Because the It's one area of our society is sensitive and can't take a joke, and, and what am I making jokes about? But, I'm making jokes about people who don't complain. Well, tell me some of your jokes about homosexuals. Just out of curiosity. I don't have any jokes about homosexuals, uh -huh. but I might tell a joke. Yeah. I haven't written any. I tell jokes somebody else wrote. What are they? What, what do you mean? What are my really good homosexual jokes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what does Siegfried have in common with the tiger? They both know what Roy tastes like. Uh huh. Uh, why don't lesbians lose weight? You can't put Jenny Craig in your mouth with Mary Kay on your face. I mean, they're jokes. But how do you feel about it? It's homosexual? a nightclub. I understand what you're saying. It's a nightclub for your particular audience. Now, if you were My to do, audience? Sure. If you were to do that here in Portland in, in a particular Portland. audience now or in Seattle, just out yeah. of curiosity. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not attacking now, you. Now, remember, I did work in Portland recently. Well, yeah, and who came out? All my fans. It's right, a okay. Nightclub. It's your fans, right? Right. Okay, so it's specific. Well, it has nothing to do with what, what their opinion is about homosexuals. You sure? It's, you don't yeah. think you're feeding a fire of, of intolerance at all? I mean, I'm, I'm just asking. By repeating a joke I heard on the street. Well, I mean, you got to take responsibility. You're saying it. I mean, I understand it's a street joke, but some of those are pretty awful, too. I'm just saying that you're pigeonholing How could a you, group. Uh, Why uh, make fun of them? Huh? Why make fun of them in that way? Why why minimize them and their way of life? Minimize? Sure. Sure. You're well, can I pick on Arabs? Can you? I mean, can I? Where, well, where are you drawing what, the line? Where, where does it come from? 
the what joke. What do you mean? Where I mean, what is, your, what is your incentive? They're the enemy. I've got to do a all Arabs. Out. All Arabs are the enemy. For some reason, I got to be at the airport two hours early. That's because some specific people of Arab descent yeah. you know, did something awful. Well, so are all there Arab- just some homosexuals that can't take a joke? Well, I, no, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that to generalize. And so we to can't generalize. tell any homosexual. No, 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 to generalize. Here's what the problem is. It's about tolerance. There'll be a homosexual comedian yeah. who will stand on stage and talk about straight people all night Is that long. true? Of course. I've only heard homosexual comedians talk about their gayness. Yeah. Well, and isn't the, that the same as... But isn't that empowering? And if, it, if you come up there and say these facts... And I can't talk about my straightness? You can. Well, how, well... But do you have to make fun of homosexuals in order to do that? Here's what comedy is. It's a reversal. Uh-huh. Why did they always give the, con- the funny line to the kid in a sitcom? Tell me. Because it's not right that the kid is smarter than the parents. It's wrong. It's a reversal. So having a female spirit in a male body or a male spirit in a female body is a reversal. It's God's joke. Okay, I... Well, I, I understand that you believe in God. How do you do you believe do, in God? No. Okay, I didn't think so. Now let me let me say with something else. So now my question well, is: Look, I'm a comic. I don't I, believe in anything. I if know that you You're tell a me you guy. care about something. I'm going to smash it. You're going to smash me. I'm going to teach you <laughs> that it's not as important okay, well, as that, you think, well, that's and a, you should laugh okay, about it. Okay, I understand that. But my question is: Is that when you isolate Arabs or you isolate homosexuals, your personal feeling about that? You don't care. You don't care. You don't. You, you, you. Do you have anything against if gay people? If people didn't laugh, I wouldn't say it. But do you? Do you have anything against? Now gay you want to blame me? Do you have anything You're against gay blame people? Me. Do you have anything against? No, no, you don't. Do you have anything against Arabs? How can you be do in you? show business? I'm just asking not- you. Do you have anything against Arabs in a general way? I understand gays better than I do Arabs. Okay, but I mean, but I don't really you because know, you're being associated with about... with with a type of right wing thinking that I, is destructive. I'm me? just saying, yeah. Where'd you get your information? I for just this read a couple interview. articles. There's no information. Well, do you believe it? I'm asking you. I'm what? a comic. Okay, but see, I think that you are a businessman, and if anything, politically, you're you're probably more libertarian than anything else, right? I don't care. You just want to make money. No, I don't even care about that. I have two stents in my heart. I could die during this interview. That would be spectacular. It that would, would be a great interview. It would. I would leave it running it would when last the paramedics about come. A half an hour. But so, but do you? So basically, you're just playing for your audience. No, I am telling them things they'll laugh at and they enjoy. What it. if it hurts people's feelings? And what if it? What if people see it as as isolating and vicious? Does that isolating and vicious. Sure. If you isolate a group of people and say you're all this, you're all I that, it, it, gets, it gets construed as racism or sexism or anything else. What about Lisa Lampanelli? What about her? She's a, an angry woman yeah. who talks from her own point about of view. About black people. That she has sex with. Are you having sex with gay men? Who knows she has sex with I do. Guys. I met her when she started. It's all she talked about was fucking black if guys. If it's the truth, you're allowed to say the I think N-word. to a certain degree, yeah. I don't say the N- I don't do any black jokes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's well. That's that's very big of you. Now, now, what? what why Wait don't you? Why don't you? You why don't you repeat those three jokes? Um, there's no blacks in my audience. So you think it would be rude? Not one. No. Do you think there are homosexuals in your audience? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did they come up to you and thank you oh, afterwards? No. Oh no. <laughs> what did they say to you? Uh, they either tell me a better joke than I told, uh-huh. uh, and they laugh about it. I work biker conventions. Well, I'm sure you do. Don't you think that there's lesbians in leather uh, riding bikes? 
No, I, let I, me tell you I'm this. I'm not doubting you. I, I never you know, say I, a guy on the back of a bike that a woman is driving. Okay. There are <laughs> yet. sexual there, roles in America that, and when you break them, it's funny. I know, but I'm just, all I'm questioning is that your, your, your sensitivity to, to some of the flack you've gotten recently. I'm not sensitive. I think they're all idiots. Everybody. I think you think everyone's an idiot, right? Uh, um, For the most part. uh, If they're missing the point. I'm a comedian. I'm not running for political I know, but you're speaking out loud to a group of people. Who are drinking. But if you say all those people that aren't here, those people that are are, are sensitive and trying to find their way in the world, they're all fucking idiots. What is the use of... Humor. What do you think? Do you what think, is the use of humor I, in our society? To, to disarm and to re, educate. That's right. To release tension that's and right. aggression. That's if right. If I say something about a topic that people burst into laughter about, I'm going to be the doctor and I'm going to tell you that you have a pain there, you have an irritation, you have an inflammation, you have a problem. So but, the but, fact that the country laughs at lesbian jokes means they have a problem with it. But to displace your, the humor, to to attack a group of people that is already You must victim. be really irritated that the House is now Republican. I'm can a, you explain this backlash? Sure I can. Over the health? Yeah, well, that but it's a misinterpretation of the health plan. <laughs> right. LA but, no, wait, and New wait, York wait has Get, never been under, able to understand the middle of this wait country. Wait a minute. You, I, I you understand the, the Of course I do. You I have do no, not. Of course I do. Well, you better have some lesbian jokes. No, I don't. I don't need lesbian jokes. <laughs> I'm a free thinker. I don't need. I don't need. I don't need street jokes either. You know. I, I mean, free thinker is I'm different. I'm a free thinker. Sure. Look, it's a nightclub. I it's understand not the context. About, it's not therapy. I understand the. Yes, it is therapy on some level. Not for you. No. It, but if you just said to me that your job is to re- release aggression and right. disarm prejudice, uh, the audience. That's you don't right. Care about that, the then audience. you're a therapist. Of course, I care about the audience. No, you don't. Of course, I do. do well, you my change question, it when you're in Oklahoma from when you're in Portland. Why would I? Because they're different people. Are people different? Yes. The, are, Portland, are people really different? I'll tell you different? where you can't tell. Are people lesbian. different? Oh, yeah. You're saying that the wiring of people, someone who understands DNA, you're going to tell me that people well, are different. Have, well, you can't tell a lesbian joke in Boston, Minneapolis, Portland, and Seattle. Why? Because they'll boo you. Because Why? Their politics is different. Their politics or their sensitivity to people who are a specific group of people that are being made fun of at the brunt of a joke to release the aggression of narrow-minded people as some sort of form of entertainment is offensive to them. That's why. So my question is, if by releasing aggression in an audience is by saying, like, the Arabs stink, they're all evil, or, or gays are fucked, and that releases aggression, how is it not just reaffirming fucking prejudice and intolerance? In that group of people. You think I have the power by telling a joke to rally people. uh, To laugh. Around. To laugh. You rally people to laugh at what? Because they identify with your prejudice. That's why they're laughing. I get that. I hate fags too. Is that releasing aggression in a healthy way? Hate. Sure. There's not hate involved here. We're telling jokes. Oh, there's a lot of hate and jokes. Come on, you're too you you've been this doing this too long. You're you're an, an angry man. You understand a, a I'm victim. I'm not angry. Really? It, you're a guy yeah. that smashes things. Do you think I'm mad every night? No. I'm not you saying you're mad. I'm, I'm mad saying regularly Friday night, eight o'clock, Saturday night, eight o'clock. No, I'm saying maybe maybe Saturday maybe there's morning. A little acting in this. No, I'm not denying your act is not filled with hate, but I'm saying that just the fact that you know you I feel... tell five lesbian jokes and you went and found an article find, I... written about me. I'm just asking you a question. And decided that that 
not only will have you put me in the pigeonhole of I'm not being a guy you. that does I'm just asking you questions. No, you're not. Of course I am. You are working your politics. I am not. What's my politics? Your politics is left wing. Okay. You're most at home in Boston, Minneapolis. Boston is not left wing. Oh, it is. I'm I'm most, but I I don't talk about politics on stage as much as I used to. Is that there? But what I'm saying to you is, I'm a comedian, and I I will push the envelope. And, and I understand what you're saying. But there's, there's a difference between uh, you know, releasing aggression and making people look at something differently. Why do you think I tell a really bad... I told you, all the jokes I tell, I heard. Well, I know. So that, that just means that you're... <laughs> that you're, you're the society taking, I'm reflecting. Yeah, but you're also not, you're not even using your own material to, to, <laughs> right. to victimize these well, groups of people. Well, I don't tell them all the time either. Somebody was <laughs> seen one of my shows, and, you know, out of 200 jokes, they've chosen five lesbian jokes or gay jokes... To focus on. The only reason, I, I'm not concerned with, with uh, I'm not, I don't have a political agenda here. I'm just saying that, you know, that culturally you've got a reputation. And I'm, so you I, read a couple of articles I, look, before I, this interview dude, and I'm decided the guy, whoever no, 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 wrote no, no, them was right no, than me. No, I just asked you the jokes and you addressed the jokes. I put you in the context of, of the history of comedy. You were a profound presence on the comedy I had 14, you made, 14 one-hour shows. I, know I must that. have written some original material. I'm not saying you didn't write original and material. I'm just asking where Anybody you're coming from. Look at I was just Asking where you're coming from, that's all. I, I respect days, you as a comedian. Do you see you any lesbian it. jokes in my 14 one hour shows? No. No. But what happened? One night I told some I heard on the street, and? everybody's up in arms over it. No, no, but but why the shift? Why why did it's you It's not be- a shift, it's only five jokes. But, I do a two hour, two and a half, sometimes three hours. I get on at eight, I'm off at eleven. Okay. Everybody focuses on one thing. Uh, no, no, I focus, I'll focus it on seems, all of it. Uh, we, we, I'm we, the problem. Do you think when I'm dead, gays will finally have an opportunity in America? Have I really been holding them down? No, you, you don't you don't hold down the no, gays. No, 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 wait a minute. You don't you don't hold gays down. Well then you what's re- your problem with no, me? No, I don't have any problem with you. I'm just saying that you reaffirm prejudice by okay, making Okay, can we tell a Jew joke that they don't want to pay? Why? It's not true. It's not true? Why do people laugh? Because it's a stereotype that's been established. Most people that you laugh at those jokes don't even have a so Jew in their life. So we can't do any jokes you can, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you black want. Black comedians only talk about the difference between blacks and whites. Right, well, there are some stereotypes. Look, I, I, I'm a person that thinks that some stereotypes, Nine, some parts of stereotypes are obviously true. The, the Jewish ones. act well, no, but, but if, is wait, picking on white people that they don't do or, it or, right. or talking about black community stuff. And and I and I understand that there are stereotypes and, that fit. And fat but the people Jew and the money only thing. talk about fat. There's this midget comic that only does midget jokes. I watched his whole act. Well, one what night. else is he going to do? That's his life. No, he could be generally funny. There's a com. A but he's getting laughs. In- but by your context, if he's getting yeah, laughs, yeah, change what the, the subject. We're bored. Are they? If they're still laughing? Yeah, no, it's there's no dynamics. But, but most but, comedians are terrible. Okay. They should listen to me. Okay, I I, I will hear you out. And I, and I help him when I can. What is your problem with most comedians? Well, like I just said, their show has no dynamics, and it's not a show based on their knowledge of the audience. It's a show about them. And comedy is not therapy, just because it's a Wait truth. a minute. But if you're talking about a show about them, if, some, if you're saying that a person that talks about themselves on stage is not a comedian, then you're dismissing a, a great many great comics. Yeah. You're, yeah, so yeah, you, so you did it wrong. No, they didn't do it okay, wrong. Okay, you walk into a doctor's office and he talks about his problems instead of. Well, that's one- an old joke. If a comedian talks about himself and that is funny, if a comedian is a storyteller, that, see by your by your rubric, you're dismissing. He you know, can't people. work a state fair. Who the fuck wants to work a state fair necessarily? Oh, everybody. 
Really? Yeah. So in order to work a state fair, you have to take the Gallagher class. You have to work faster and more general. There are families out there, and they're not interested in your long, subtle stories. Okay, that's fine. That's a state fair circuit. But the comedy club circuit, the cabaret circuit, can indulge a different. Why can't you just see it as all being part of show business? Why are because you Because there's no show involved. What? They're a bunch of Pete. slovenly. Uh, they hunch over. They turn their back on the audience. They take a that's drink their style. of water. There's a, it's show business. Why are you drawing lines? Why are you taking the other side of everything I say? I'm not. I'm just you saying You are. I'm almost, I, Why did you want me to do this interview if you don't think I know anything about what you're asking me I'm, about? I'm just telling... I'm done. You're done? I'm done. You're just arguing. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's Howard Stern and... Uh, I'm not. I was just having a conversation. No, you're not. I have more respect for comedy. You're trying to be controversial. I am not. Yes, you are. You're just arguing with me. I have 30 years of experience. Well, then tell me about comedy. I, I just think that show business is show business. Well, then just why don't you do the interview and tell people your opinion? We were having a good conversation. Well, it's, uh, oh, come on, Gallagher. All right. Well, that didn't, well, maybe it really went well. I don't know. I'm certainly not going to chase after him. So that was that. That was it. That was what happened with Gallagher and myself. And even listening to it for a third time now, what is to be brought away from this? Other than this is where a career in comedy can end up. A career in anything can end up. God knows there's plenty of people out there that are experiencing frustration because they've reached a certain age and they don't feel like they're useful anymore. There's anger there. Other than that, you make your own decisions about what you heard. You definitely see who he is. Thank you for listening. And another thing I want to thank someone for, up here in Portland, a gentleman named Brian brought me a, brought me a, a beautiful mug with my cats on it, a ceramic mug. He's a, he's a ceramic artist. And I, I got a thing for ceramics. Uh, if they're done with, uh, you know, with uh, style and uniqueness, I, I just I think it's a very earnest art form, and I want to throw them a little plug because uh, you can go to brianrjones.com and see some of his work, and I I, just, I think it's beautiful, and uh, I appreciate him bringing that. There was a, there was a lot of gifts, and I really appreciate oh the shortbread. Thanks for that. It was delicious, and I hate myself, but uh, for all your WTF needs, go to wtfpod.com. Uh, get on the mailing list. Get yourself some JustCoffee.coop. If you get the WTF blend, I get uh, I get a little kickback from that. Donate a few shekels if you could. Get some of those uh, packages. We might be adding more to the $250 uh, one-time uh, premium donation other than the three CDs, the best of WTF, my three CDs, the two T-shirts, the stickers. And uh, I appreciate all your support. Go to WTFPodShop.com and uh, pick up some of those premium episodes. We're going to add some more to that. And also, people are loving the apps. The uh, iPhone app, the iPod Touch app, the iPad app, the Droid app. Uh, we're really, th- things are growing, and I just want you to be able to get those, uh, to get the episodes. Because on the apps right now, because of the way things went, sort of coincidentally, it's the only way you can get the early episodes, uh, including the Robin Williams and the uh, Carlos Mencia. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you, Portland. Thank you, everyone. You know, you're going to think what you think. <laughs>